Unfortunately, the millennial generation is on track to be the most obese generation in history. Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. You're about to hear from a good friend, Dr. Debbie Bright. This interview is going to take you millennials to becoming well-lennials. We're going to talk about healing the world's most unhealthy generation. Let's get started. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Your Longevity Blueprint podcast. Today, my guest is weight loss and gut health expert, Dr. Debbie Bright. She's an internationally recognized and board-certified functional medicine physician, exercise physiologist, and nutritionist. As the founder and CEO of the International Millennial Health Movement, Dr. Debbie helps millennial women discover their hidden food sensitivities so they can kickstart the healing of their fat, skin, bloat, and fatigue all within 21 days or less. While weight loss is what Dr. Debbie does, restoring self-worth is who she is. I love that. So welcome to the show, Dr. Debbie. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, tell me your story. So how did you become so passionate about exercise physiology? And I understand you're also a chiropractor and nutrition and restoring self-worth. What's your story? It's kind of funny. Like when I was a little kid, I remember not being obsessed with like fat loss from a place of like an eating disorder or anything like that, but always wondering why, like me personally, I could eat whatever I wanted. And then why were some classmates not the same? Like, Mm -hmm. why were they a little bit more obese or suffering? And then when you fast forward through, you know, I worked on my degree in exercise science and whatnot, and I was in graduate school. I remember going home to my, at the time, it was just my five-year high school reunion. And I'm from a small town in Missouri. And unfortunately, you know, those people don't tend to be as well exposed to, you're well, you're from Iowa, right? As well exposed to some of the things that people in like bigger cities and whatnot, like they, they just have like a different mindset around health and whatnot. And going back to that reunion, only five years out, so we're what, like 23 years old or so, a lot of my classmates were already becoming obese. Mm -hmm. They were on a lot of medications. They were starting to have issues with their cholesterol, their blood sugar, diabetes, things like that. And now, you know, we are, gosh, I'm 36 now, and I've just seen it continue to progressively get worse. So it was first and foremost, a love for my community. Within the last two years, the things I speak about now really hit me close to home because I was dealing with some fatigue issues And just in trying to find the right answers or why was I burned out or what was going on, I opted for some hormone replacement therapy, which I know you're very familiar Mm -hmm. with. And I ended up being overdosed with transgender levels of testosterone, which really threw my system completely out of whack and put me in the gutter. And so it just furthered what maybe was coming easier for me. I just wanted to really dial in and like get better at understanding like health, metabolism, blood sugar, rest, all the things. And so, you know, just to speak to that, when you have your health and then you don't have your health, it like is a really big wake up. You appreciate it. (laughs) Exactly. So it just, I feel like it's made me a practitioner that's wanted to dig really, really deep into helping people and myself included. And then, you know, people from my hometown, it just, it's really in my heart to like make a difference for those individuals. I'm sorry that you were overdosed literally for the listeners. This is not something that she did incorrectly. Like her medical practitioner made a mistake and essentially overdosed her very high levels. And she's 
She's on the men, thankfully. But that's also why you want to find a very competent practitioner for these sort of things like hormone replacement therapy. Uh, I know specifically you focus on the millennial generation. So can you define for the audience what millennials really are? Clarify for those of us who may not know. And why have you chosen to really focus on that generation's health? Yeah. So it kind of goes into the origin story of myself. I am a millennial. And then the individuals that, you know, we tend to help those that are like us, right? So it's like my age group. Um, So millennials are, I believe, I always have to keep it on track because then every year the number changes, right? I believe like 25 to 38 or so in that, within that age group. So, you know, these are a lot of individuals that are especially if they're like the 30 plus year olds, they're young moms Mm -hmm. or they have little kids in the house. They tend to be concerned about their health, their energy to be able to keep up with the family. They want to make sure the family is healthy. Uh, And and then kind of secondarily, I end up getting like their moms, right? Like I call them the sexy grandma too, which is funny because grandma wants to be a part of, you know, what's my daughter up to and why is she getting better? And I want that as well. So it's, it's, I get the millennials. It's like, I'm making changes through multiple generations, which is really exciting. So when it comes to weight loss with the millennial generation, what are some of the biggest mistakes that they make? What is something they may be doing that's not getting them the desired result they want with their exercise or nutrition or whatnot? Before I dive into that, I think it's really important to point out too, that unfortunately the millennial generation is on track to be the most obese generation in history. We are also the first generation that is not expected to outlive the age of our parents. That is so scary. Right. In our lifespan, which is crazy. And I think in our health span, we're also seeing that, you know, we're just more of a sickly generation and in seven out of 10 will be, you know, obese by middle age. So as far as like the top mistakes are that this generation is getting wrong is um, there's really three things that I see that stand out. One being that they focus on weight loss without Mm. waste loss. I always tell them that like weight loss without waste loss really isn't healthy at all. Like we need to focus on having our uh, waistline be one half our height. And let's say if you measure it in inches or centimeters or whatever it is, we want to aim for that one half goal. So it's very important. And then Uh, The second thing being that they're often stuck still, and I don't know how we're even here still, but they're stuck in the mindset of eat less, move more, which um, you and I both know is still, unfortunately, it's uh, reinforced in the fitness and medical communities a lot. It's like still the mindset that that's like the most appropriate way to lose weight. We know that like calories matter, but where they come Mm -hmm. from, you know, matters more. So let's say 500 calories of pizza an ice cream is going to send a much different signal to the body and the hormones than say 500 calories of salmon and like grilled spinach, right? So like prioritizing the quality of our calories more than just focusing on the quantity within the eat less, move more category of that. They're focused a lot on the wrong type of exercise, meaning that they're stuck in the cardio craze and they really need to be prioritizing resistance training more. Like I often say that I used to say body composition is 90% diet and 10% exercise, given that that 10% of exercise is like hundred percent all in its own category, but I'm really starting to kind of change my mindset around that and thinking that it, it is really a 50, 50, right? So we know like in the cardio craze, it's like, Oh, I'm, I step on the scale and I've been working out hardcore and restricting my calories and I've lost 10 pounds. But what people don't really understand is when they take that approach out of that 10 pounds, 
oftentimes five of it is muscle mass. And so when they're burning off their muscle mass, they're slowing down their metabolism and they yo-yo diet, right? So then they put the weight back on quickly, what they could handle. Let's say they restricted themselves to 1200 calories and they lose this weight, but it's in an unsustainable way. And then they go and they start to eat 1500 calories. Now they rapidly put on body fat in ways that they never would have before because they don't have the muscle mass to help keep them tight and lean and dense. It's kind of funny, like within that, we know females too, that they avoid resistance training because they often say like, I don't want to be too bulky. And I have to bring them back around to saying like, how often do you see a seven foot tall person? It's like so rare. Right. And so I'm always like, okay, girls, ladies, like you aren't that genetically gifted that you're so rare that you're going to be, you know, looking like a female bodybuilder, you know, (laughs) that's just a whole different approach to this. And then caloric deprivation too. It's like, I think it's important to point out that three things really happen when we overdo it. And we, we know this from a burnout standpoint is the body will decrease metabolism by slowing down the thyroid, right? And patients go hypothyroid though. The body will increase fatigue, which is not necessarily a sign that something's wrong. It's the body doing what is being asked of it. Right. So just the body's way of saying like, let me slow down your physical movement in each day and decrease your energy to do the simplest things, go to the bathroom to go for a walk, get out of bed. Like let's keep you tired so that we're not expending too many calories. Right. The last one is muscle destruction, which will further destroy their metabolism, as you know. So that all falls under the mindset of eat less, move more. And then really the last one I think that they get wrong is they don't focus on gut health necessarily to set them up to win. Like when they want to go into like improving their health, focusing more on weight loss. And so I like to focus with them there on improving digestion north to south and then helping them discover their hidden food sensitivities and heal their gut so that they can decrease inflammation and start to take the weight off. Love that. I've never heard that north to south. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. We can dive into that one too. If um, you want. I want to go back to a couple of things you said. I want to make sure I heard you right. So did you say seven out of 10 millennials is likely to be obese by middle age? Did you say 70%? Yes. Wow. Yeah. I hadn't heard stats that high. So that is very scary. Okay. Just want to emphasize that. And then I want to come back around to, you said you, your waist should be half your height in inches. So if someone was someone was 66 inches, their waist should be half that 33. Exactly. That's the most ideal goal to go for. Okay. I just want to make sure I heard you right. Can we go back to resistance training for a minute? So there may be some, some moms, for instance, listening in today who are like, what is resistance training? Is that what I did in high school when I played volleyball or like, what, you know, what, you know, for those who really aren't in this, in the athletic world, can you maybe provide some examples of realistic, like resistance training? Yeah, absolutely. So there's different types. Probably the one that really sticks out in most people's mind would be like lifting free weights. So that could be kettlebell training or, or training with dumbbells, Olympic lifting, that kind of stuff. Um, you can also do body weight exercises. It's essentially taking your muscle and putting it through a range of reps and sets that bring it to fatigue and then allow it a breakdown of that tissue and then a regrowth that provides you more strength. Yes. Resistance training is just maybe a fancier way of saying, yeah, lift some kettlebells, whatnot. Good. Thank you for providing that. Let's go back around to gut health. I think that's so important. Uh, So when it comes to maybe food sensitivities, what are some of the top symptoms someone can look for that may indicate there is a, there's a problem? 
Yeah. So there's really three types of adverse food reactions. There's food allergies, food intolerance, and food sensitivities. And to really understand them, it's important that we understand all three. So food allergies, I think that's pretty easy to understand, but oftentimes people will confuse in their lingo when they're talking about a food sensitivity versus a food allergy. So a food allergy is a true food allergy. It involves an immediate immune reaction to foods that have just been eaten. I think the best example to give would be like, you think of a person that eats peanuts or shellfish, yep. life-threatening EpiPen. I always say like, if people have seen the movie Hitch, you know, when he's like cooking and then I think he's eating shellfish. I can't remember exactly, but he, he's like blows up in the lips and the face and he's like drunk on Benadryl or yep. that's yep. like yep. a food allergy. Um, then there are food intolerances, which are non-immune reactions to certain foods that occur because a person maybe is lacking the digestive enzymes responsible for breaking down that food. Their symptoms could include like flushing or having cold and blue-like symptoms or just dietary discomfort. And examples are like alcohol or think about like dairy, lactose intolerance, histamine issues. Think about eating foods that aren't maybe real, that are like full of preservatives or artificial colors that our body just doesn't necessarily recognize. And so that can cause the digestive discomfort and a food intolerance. And then the last one, which I like to work with people with is a food sensitivity. And so those are delayed immune reactions that happen to be delayed by maybe hours to even days. And they're usually caused by an imbalance in the gastrointestinal system that is affecting their immune system. So symptoms can differ from person to person. They might include migraines, their skin might break out. They might have fatigue, difficulty sleeping, weight gain, muscle and joint pain, excessive sweating, mood swings, like rapid heartbeat, IBS issues. There's a whole slew of issues, but the issue with people not being able to figure it out is because you know, they don't eat the food and then react immediately. So they may eat dairy. And three days later, like my husband is this way, he eats it. And within a couple of days, then there's a skin breakout and he has acne and it's like, Oh, like he's great at staying off of it, but where it might slip in is like in a restaurant or someplace where somebody else prepared the food. And he just wasn't, he didn't know he was getting into it, but it shows up like that. I agree. Yeah. A lot of my patients also cannot necessarily identify, you know, which food group even on the pizza is causing problems, right? Is, was it the tomato sauce? Was it the garlic? Was it the yeast in the crust? Was it the egg in the crust? Was it the cheese on the pizza? Was it the gluten in the crust? It's really difficult for some patients to identify what on, in that meal two days ago, like, right, was causing problems. And that's where the strength of testing comes in. So it is sensitivity testing something you utilize in your practice? And then how do your patients get those I'll kind of talk about what what I do with my practice, but let me ask you first, is that something you use and how do you test patients? Yep. So, well, first and foremost, I like to put people that food sensitivity can be expensive and the gold standard still to this day is to do an elimination diet. So I like to start them there and take them through and we'll take the foods out for 21 days and let those antibodies kind of die off. And Mm -hmm. they usually with usually within four days, people really start to turn the corner and feel a lot better. And on an elimination for the audience, what are, and I discuss this heavily in my book in chapter one, but what main food groups are removed? Yep. So I, across the board, I see gluten, soy, dairy, eggs, corn, peanuts, added sugars, and artificial sweeteners being the top. Which are in everything. (laughs) Not everything. They're not in vegetables. Right. 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 (laughs) And that's just it. People say like, 
oh my gosh, you take me off of those foods and there's nothing left to eat. But in reality, it's like, let's look at gluten. Like, okay, you, you eat waffles, cereal, bread on your sandwich, pizza at dinner, <laughs> like cookies. For, it's like, you're just eating wheat in like five different ways, right? There's plenty of food left to eat, but it, and that's to dive deeper into that is when we take people off of stuff, it's best to always have like a meal plan or some suggestions that fill in those voids. So they don't feel so lost in their decision-making. It makes it on what they can eat. So they don't fixate on what they can't eat. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that's the way without that people just, they're too lost to make it be a success. But when you yeah. When you fill in those gaps, they do really well. So the elimination diet reintroduction is what I like to do with them. Then if people go through that program and they say like, okay, other people, like I like to run it in groups, right? They say like, oh my gosh, like someone they're like, they're doing so much better than me and they're getting much bigger results. And we say like, okay, are you an outlier? Do you need some individualized testing? And I like to do a food sensitivity test with a stool lab because I want to see what's going on in that digestion, right? Like, okay, we have a food sensitivity, but let's take it steps further. Why? And what can we do to repair the gut and help support that North to South digestion to help eventually restore the gut. And then they get to bring these foods back in. So it's not like, let's keep this out forever. Right. Yep. Yep. I I totally agree. And my patients who are very cost conscious, who don't want to spend money on additional testing, why not start with an elimination diet? That's usually where we start. But for some people, we really still need to narrow in. They can't quite identify, well, I'm not quite sure. They just need a little more assistance or they haven't gotten the the progress they want with the elimination diet. So then we can certainly consider food sensitivity testing. Um, In office, we do a finger poke. Takes about a month to get labs back. We run, we look at, I think, 150 foods, something like that. So same thing, gluten, dairy, soy, corn, yeast, coffee, even fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, and spices. Because occasionally there'll even be, a reaction to ginger or turmeric or something that I'm advising the patient take. And then we figure out, actually, you need to take a break from that. I was going to say, and that's what works well for those patients that are the outliers, right? That like the gut lining is a little more broken down. There are more things that are showing up and now they really know specifically what works for them. Totally. I love that you look into stool testing and digestion as well. Again, for the listeners, I'm just going to echo my book here for a moment. So my book, Your Longevity Blueprint in chapter one, I'm comparing the foundation of the home and how important that is, right? It has to support the weight of the entire house. You want that to be strong so it doesn't crumble. I'm comparing that to the gastrointestinal system in the body. So we want to have strong foundation and we're going to talk about, well, I was going to mention the 5R functional medicine framework, but you have a different framework. You have a framework for weight loss. <laughs> we'll talk about your framework in a minute. But as part of building healthy gastrointestinal foundation in chapter one, I talk about removing both food sensitivities and gut infections, things that can be found on the stool test that you're mentioning. I have a lot of patients who do have just a small amount of bacterial overgrowth, now parasites or yeast. We find yeast very commonly overgrown in patients that needs to be treated. So if we want to heal leaky gut, we have to remove all of the offenders, the foods and the gut infections. Absolutely. And that's really um, the foundation for my five-hour framework for rapid weight loss. Well, perfect transition. Let's go there. Yeah, let's go there. It's built off the five-hour framework for rapid gut health. That's exactly what it is. So it's the remove, replace, re-inoculate, repair, rebalance. So it's just like you said, we remove the inflammatory foods. We use the stool lab. We look to see like, are there any gut infections? Do you have H. pylori? Is there dysbiosis, like what's overgrown. So what needs to be brought back into balance? Right. And then we replace things like digestive enzymes and that's the North to South digestion. 
So betaine for the stomach acid, pancreatic enzymes for the break, right? The betaine does a lot of the protein, the pancreatic enzymes does as well, but they do a lot of the carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. We support the liver and gallbladder to help fat break down. What a lot of people don't know is that the gallbladder, sure, it helps break down fat, but it also is responsible when it releases bile for keeping the gut squeaky clean. It's like, it's what's the word I'm looking for. I almost wanted to say estrogen. I don't know. (laughs) I don't, it's like, it's cleaning juices, right? Like it kills off things that shouldn't be in there. And a lot of times patients will build up if they eat the standard American diet, it's without question that they're going to start to build up gallbladder sludge, which we know in conventional medicine won't really be identified. They won't look at it until like the gallbladder is full of stones and it's an issue. Right. It doesn't, it's not like one day I woke up and I went to the doctor and they said, you have gallstones, right? This was a long time brewing for a long time. And then the sad, sad part about that is they have the gallbladder. Some individuals have their gallbladder removed, which they need to, when they're in excruciating pain and having you know, gallbladder attacks. But then after discharge from the hospital, they're never taught like why, like what was the root cause of the problem, right? Removing the gallbladder doesn't eliminate the fuel to that fire. If they're still eating inflammatory foods, if they still have poor digestion and whatnot, I'll say that the downstream effects are going to manifest in a diff- even in a different organ system somehow. Exactly. And just removing the organ doesn't restore health. No. And those are the people that I see that have extreme levels of gut dysbiosis too, because the organ's gone and it's no longer there doing what it does. But the good thing about it is the body's smart and it creates its own little extra pouch and it tries to help repair itself there. Right. But we just, some gallbladder support would be nice in that case. Yeah. I was gonna say, let's go back to the third R. So you said remove, repair, and then the third R. Remove, replace, re-inoculate. So, um, that is restoring the healthy gut bacteria with things like probiotics, prebiotics to feed the probiotics, things like resistant starch. I like to have patients use, this is sounds wild to people, but green bananas, they have a lot of resistant starch in the peel. So I'll say, Mm -hmm. cut the ends off and blend it in your smoothie and get, start getting resistant starch back into your body. Or people can go on Google and look up how to prepare resistant starch potatoes. Those are really high in it, right? The heating, cooling, healing, it builds more. Mm -hmm. So you guys check that out. So that's like feeding and repairing your good gut bacteria. And then the fourth R is repair. So that would look like repairing your gut lining with GI supportive supplements like glutamine, glucosamine, pectin, aloe, licorice, marshmallow, chamomile, things that soothe and help rebuild. And then the last one is rebalance. And I frame that around lifestyle. So how do you react to stress? What kind of exercise are you doing? I'm going to push for some resistance training in your life. How are your sleep habits, detoxification, and so on? Because we want to get you healthy and we want to help keep you there, right? You might not know this, but building a healthy gut or gastrointestinal system is one of the most important things you should be working on to maintain your health and longevity. That's why actually in my book, Your Longevity Blueprint, I devote the entire first chapter to the gut. I like to compare the gut or gastrointestinal system to the foundation of your home. You have to have a strong gastrointestinal system upon which to build great health. So with that in mind, I want to share a few tips to help you do just that. The first step with improving your gut health is to clean up your diet, removing inflammatory foods, foods you may have sensitivities towards, and treating gut infections. Like I mentioned, I get into this in a lot more depth in chapter one of my book. Once you've done that, however, there are also some amazing nutrients that exist to help you heal further. Two of my favorite Your Longevity Blueprint combination powder products for helping patients heal their guts are called Gut Shield and GI Support. Gut Shield contains several important ingredients, including glutamine and zinc. 
Glutamine is the most important non-essential amino acid for gut healing, and zinc is a top mineral for gut healing as well. Gut Shield also contains N-acetyl-D-glucosamine and aloe vera. N-acetyl-D-glucosamine is a mucin precursor that has been shown to increase the production of mucus within the GI tract. This is beneficial in coating the tract and protecting it. Gut Shield also contains deglycerized licorice root extract, also known as DGL, a form of licorice root that does not contain glycerizin, which can raise blood pressure. Licorice has been known to treat and heal ulcers. It works as a demulcent to soothe the irritated tissue. It's antispasmodic, anti-inflammatory, and anti-allergenic. Aloe vera has been used throughout history to promote a normal inflammatory response. You may have used it on your cuts, scrapes, or burns as a child. Studies have shown that aloe vera is also specifically beneficial to the gastric mucosa, in part through its ability to balance stomach acid levels and promote healthy mucus production. All these gut healing nutrients are packed into one little scoop of powder that can be added to a beverage of your choice or mixed into a smoothie. I recommend patients consume this consistently for at least three months for gut healing. My second favorite product for gut healing is called GI Support, a gut healing protein powder containing glutamine as well. The difference here is that GI Support is also loaded with natural anti-inflammatories like turmeric. It also contains arabinogalactins, which serve as prebiotic fiber. And it contains green tea extract, also known as EGCG, a potent antioxidant that further helps to reduce inflammation. It's the Cadillac of gut healing powders because it has protein, the amino acid glutamine, prebiotics, anti-inflammatories, and antioxidants all in one scoop. And yes, it can be combined with Gut Shield. Consider taking the Synergistic Blend daily while focusing on cleaner eating. These products aren't needed forever, but they sure help expedite the healing process of your gut lining. Check out more product information on our website and use code HEALGUT for 10% off either product. That's Gut Shield or GI Support at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now let's get back to the show. Perfect. Yes. These are in my book and I could even remember the order. I'm going to read it again so that the audience hears this. So you said remove, right? We're removing the bad things, uh, infections and the food sensitivities. We're replacing enzymes or hydrochloric acid or bile, whatever we need for digestion. Then we're re-inoculating or right, the gut with good bacteria essentially. So that's where even using pre and probiotics come in. We're repairing the gut through all the agents you mentioned, plus you can use other anti-inflammatories like turmeric and fish oil, whatnot. And then we're rebalancing. And I say those the way that you... Yep, you oh, nailed okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> but we, the audience got the gist of this. So, so that is the 5R framework that's in chapter one of my book. So you certainly can refer there for help on healing the gut, but you apply this to weight loss also. Mm-hmm. So explain how, how using this framework actually also helps with weight loss. Yeah. So the way I explain this to people is that weight loss or fat loss, essentially, or the waste loss, right. Which we're aiming for. It's just a symptom of a healthy body. So when we work on the gut and we make your gut better. So now that you're better able to digest your protein, you're better able to absorb and assimilate your nutrients help your body use them, decrease inflammation. You know, it's not to say that you can't have a treat here and there, but, you know, minimizing those cheat days and start making like, what's, you know, the reality of this, when you work on these things, you're ultimately living a healthier lifestyle. Your body is healthier and it releases weight as a response to that. We, you know, in nature have a body fat set point of naturally lean. And so the body wants to go back to that. Right. That's good. That's good. Let's transition for a moment to any opinions you may have around self-acceptance and self-love. 
So some of that we're seeing in today's modern society, how do you feel about self-acceptance and self-love? Yeah. So first and foremost, like every person deserves love and respect. And I just want that to be known. And I think that we're seeing this movement be used in a way that is almost shaming of individuals that are saying like, Hey, I want to take some weight off. I want to lose some weight. This would be better for my health. It's like, like, Oh no girl, accept the way you are, you know, and curvy is beautiful. Big is beautiful. Like that's fine because health comes in many shapes and sizes. And unfortunately obesity is not one of them. And so self-love to me is not being honest with yourself when you're saying like, okay, I'm 70 pounds overweight. I eat in a way that's unhealthy for me, for my family, whatever. I don't believe that that falls into the self-love category. Which is hard to say because today, I mean, even on social media, I think, you know, you're, you're more accepted if you accept everything, right? And yes, we should love ourselves, but we also should respect ourselves enough to know that being 70 pounds overweight is not good and we should do something about it. <laughs> right. We, we're, it's like, I don't even want to say the word, but we are in this pandemic right now where we know that obesity plays a big role and metabolic health plays a big role in how well or not well people do when they're faced with getting sick. And so it's just saying like, it's just a reality, like using the self movement to praise obesity and, or, or disordered eating or unhealthy lifestyle habits. It's, I see that more as like, self-hate disguised in like justification culture and health. Like I said, it comes in many shapes and sizes and you and I as, as healthcare professionals, we're almost backed into a corner because we're like waving the flag saying like this obesity epidemic is huge in our country. And, you know, people don't deserve to be lashed out at because they want to make a difference. And it would not be right of us as healthcare professionals not to say something, right? <laughs> mm, yeah, that's good. So what's one piece of advice you have for our listeners? Just a last maybe take home on this kind of waste loss um, and resistance training and improving gut health and whatnot. We'll wrap up here with a few last questions. So what's another easy piece of take-home advice on the topics we've discussed? I would say that getting into action, your very next meal, you can start to make a difference in your health. So get a coach, be in a supportive community. That's everything, you know, get your accountability partner and make a commitment, you know, which usually involves exchange of money that really gets people to, to commit. So time and money. And just at the very end of the day, like it, you don't have to wait. It doesn't have to be next to Monday or the new year or whatever, like your health, it doesn't read a calendar. Like it requires you taking action right now. So just get started with your next meal. Good, good advice. So are you a coach or how do you work with clients and how can listeners find you? The best way to like join my email list and interact with me, two ways would be, you can follow me like on Instagram at Dr. Debbie Bright. It's D-R-D-E-B-B-I-E-B-R-I-G-H-T. And you preach there. You don't hold back. You speak the truth. So I do. So I would say that, um, forewarning, like it, it's not for the, the faint of hearts. I'm just really honest. Um, but my audience, you know, they've, they've actually come to really like that about me, I think, which is, you know, yay. Sometimes it's like, I, I have to hit post and like walk away. I got to drop a truth bomb and it's hard. It is challenging, but like, here we go. Um, but people can also join my email list and then they can take my four minute weight loss awareness quiz. So that's just weight loss awareness quiz.com. And 
people really like the quiz. It's kind of a sliding scale. You rank yourself on areas that you're doing really well and areas that you may need some work in and, and you get like a, a number that kind of ranks you amongst your peers and whatnot. And so I get good feedback on that quiz. They really like that. And then we've got my look at naked program that they can do. And we're about to actually come out with a supplement line. It's getting ready to release. Like we're working on the store, hopefully by the end of this month. So it's exciting. It's yeah. exciting. I just got news. We just shipped out all the supplements and all the formulations are ready. So I'm really thrilled about that. All based around millennial health. Yeah. Congratulations. I know that is exciting. Been there. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yep. What is your top longevity tip? You know, Stephanie, since I had to unfortunately face the most horrendous burnout I could have ever imagined, it, it took me like sidelining my workouts for six months and really working on trying to sleep and rest and getting my hormones balanced. So I would say, and I really mean this, everyone, like if you're traveling, you're working yourself too hard, whatever it may be. Some people still think they have to push through and I got to get the workout in and I got to this and that. And it's like, just sleep. You owe yourself nothing more than rest. So just prioritizing rest and sleep when needed is probably the best gift that I've given myself in the past year on trying to get better. Well, I applaud you for that. Yes. I think our listeners and myself need to hear that too. So I'll take the, the rest advice. I was going to say, I'd reached out to you and, you know, and that was one of the biggest things that you came back with, right. was helping me to get my sleep on track. Yes, we need it. We need it. We need it. Well, thank you so much today for coming on the show and speaking specifically to millennials with strategies, not just for weight loss, but as you said, waste loss and specifically just self-worth. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. Absolutely. I had a pleasure being here and I, I hope listeners enjoyed this one. So thanks. Well, that was a bit of a surprise to me and possibly you too, knowing that the millennial generation is the unhealthiest, 70% of which are predicted to be obese. No surprise that practitioners like Dr. Bright are passionate about inspiring that generation to improve gut health and improve full body health and thus achieve weight loss ultimately for longevity. To further connect with Dr. Bright, check out the show notes and take her weight loss awareness quiz. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. The podcast is produced by the team at Counterweight Creative. As always, thank you so much for listening and remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.